0: Good morning and happy spring. A sincere thanks to all of you for joining us on the phone. I really appreciate your interest and your time. So before we begin, just a quick reminder. In addition to this Q&A, Mel will have more analysis on Mock 3.0 and the NFL draft during afternoon editions of SportsCenter and NFL Live, and he'll also do a SportsCenter special with Trey Wingo and Todd McShay that will air tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. On ESPN2. So we'll begin today with a question from Tommy Birch at the Des Moines Register, followed by Josh Katzenstein with the New Orleans Times-Pagune. And one other note, just ask if you would please skip any personal greetings and start right away with your question. Tommy, whenever you're ready.
1: Hey, Mel, uh, I wanted to ask you about two Iowa State guys. I know you said if Akeem Butler ran well at the NFL Combine, he could play his way into the first round. Do you, do you see him as a first round candidate? And then, do you see, I would say, cornerback Brian Peavy getting drafted as well? Yeah, I think for Peavy, you know, he's the kind of guy we've talked about. as a kind of an overachiever. Uh, doesn't have the great measurables, but he's a playmaker, and he's a guy who was obviously one of their key elements on the defensive side of the ball, and just was a consistent guy. Was a guy jumped out at you when you watch him. I think he can make a team. I think he's a guy will stick as, an, as a priority undrafted free agent, maybe a late rounder. But I like Peavy. I think he's an underrated guy. And in terms of Butler, Jerry's sure still out on the first round. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have him in the first round mock. You know, with his size and his speed. Ran four four eight, great athletic ability, a little inconsistent with the hands at times, and uh, that's the only thing that, you know, that would maybe push him into the second round. That's where I see him going right now. So yeah, he's one of the top ten receivers in this draft. There's probably going to be two to three in the first, and then probably six to seven in the second round. So there's going to be a lot of second, third round receivers that are going to think maybe be uh, you know trying to be like Juju Smith Schuster and Michael Thomas and and guys like that. So I think second round for Butler right now.
0: We'll go to Josh Katzenstein, followed by Angelique Shangelis with the Detroit
1: News. Now, when a team uh, has such limited draft picks like the Saints do, no one, no two, no four, I mean, what can they do to make it a successful draft? Well, I think you know, You look at what they need. Another you know, receiving entity, uh, you know, in the mix there would certainly be a plus for them. And, and they're a team that's not that far. Obviously, they don't need a lot. Um, they they feel like they they really should have been in the Super Bowl very easily. Could have been. So yeah, uh, you know, they have done enough already. I think when you look at, at where they are as a football team with their needs, it, it sets up where they could get an offensive lineman, wide receiver type. Yeah, uh, you know, like I said before, this is a team that that has a lot of ability. They're arguably still the, you know not the favorite. One of the favorites to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. They've added Latavius Murray. You, know, you think about it, this is a guy when Ingram moves on, Murray comes in. Malcolm Brown, they added a couple of you know, the offensive linemen. They got it, obviously, with Unger retiring. Maybe look at the interior. They brought in Easton. Jared Cook at tight end. So uh, they've done some things uh, you know, from a free agency standpoint to add to that strong personnel base. But the way it sets up, I'd say a wide receiver uh, would be, uh, you know, take advantage of the depth. Uh, I mean, Manuel Hall, a kid from Missouri who can take the top off the of deep defense, around a 4 three, nine, average over 20 yards a catch. Like I said, this is, a, this is going to be a very – Terry McLaren from Ohio State, if he were there and dropped down a little further than I think he will, uh, he would be a great addition. And then there's some possession types, Anthony Johnson from Buffalo, very underrated player for day three. Uh, so I think the, the depth at wide receiver, a lot stronger than it is in the first round. It's not a good first-round receiving group, but it's a great second to fifth-round receiving group, and that's going to help out the Saints, who I think need to target a wide receiver at some point.
0: We'll go to Angelique Shangelis, followed by Mark Gaughan with the Buffalo News. Mel, you have uh, Devin Bush making quite a quite a jump in in the latest mock draft. Why is that?
1: Well, he's been all over the place with me because you know, I liked him as a player so much, and then you talk to people, you know your contacts, and then the league, and you get different opinions, and that's kind of just finding the right fit. And I just felt like Cincinnati being a fast cover linebacker, a guy that can I think really upgrade that line of defense for them would be a big plus. And I think Pittsburgh's another team, and then you get into the Raiders late in the first, but I think I think he's one of the top players in this draft. I think you could argue he was one of the ten best players in this draft. I'm going to have a new top 25 uh, big board coming out tomorrow, and he will probably end up maybe at nine on that big board. Um, so I'm thinking he's that good. I, I think the league, at the end of the day, after running that uh, tremendous 40 time that he ran at the Combine, when both he and Devin White ran almost identical four four three four four twos, 4 um, it shows his range and, and his sideline to sideline speed. Like Deion Jones when he came out of LSU, very similar kind of player, say very similar to Devin White. I, I think if Devin White's going to be the
0: fifth pick in the draft, I don't think Devin Bush can be far behind. Next up is Mark Don, and then we'll go to Kareem Copeland with the Washington Post.
1: Yes, on uh, Rashawn uh, Gary. Whether you're a Buffalo or any true four-three team, how do you see him fitting the four-three? I mean, if you you know if you want an edge bender, uh, I mean, are you going to have to play him some three technique? And then uh, Anthony Johnson, do you see him, could he get into uh, the third round, or you see him as fourth round? I think Johnson's more of a day three guy, huh? think, but a very good day three pick, I think, for somebody. And I think in terms of Gary, yes, you can put him in as a three technique. You can hope that when he's cut loose in the NFL and turned loose in the NFL, that he can be a guy who can get more sacks. I mean he had a you know, there's he's got rare skill set. I mean he was the number one player coming out of high school for a reason. You know, he's two hundred and seventy seven pounds, he's six four and a half, he's got really long arms, he you know, he ran four five eight, he's got really good upper body strength, and he's a tremendously gifted athlete. He's got every everything you want to be the number one pick in the draft except the sack production and, uh, and you know this year didn't go his way with the injury and obviously uh, some of the criticism that came his way because of that but Rashawn Gary's an enigma you expect more than 10 sacks in a career for a guy with that kind of talent you expect you know 20 plus career sacks uh, for that with that kind of talent and you didn't get it. So the thing is, will the scheme, will you allow him to, like say, get turned loose in the NFL? Will that allow him to be more productive as a pro than he was in a collegiate? That's what you're going to roll the dice. And if you're picking nine, you're getting a guy with awesome talent. Now, uh, you know, there's a lot of people I think that you know, I talk to that think, yeah, you know, he could drop a little further than that. So we'll see. But uh, Rashawn Gary is no longer a top five pick. And I don't think, you know, back uh, two, three months ago, we thought he'd be there for the Bills at nine. And it looks like he will be now.
0: Corrine Copeland is up, and then we'll go to Andre Johnson with Pro Sports Notes. Hey, Mel, you've got Brian Burns going to the Redskins. Could you uh, break down your analysis of him for me and, and what has caused him to kind of move up a little bit recently? And
1: is there anyone else that you considered right there at 15 for the Redskins? No, I thought about the quarterback and Drew Locke ahead going at thirteen. Uh, then that was a little high for Daniel Jones from Duke. I think you know, it's interesting to see it'll be interesting to see if Washington trades up for Dwayne Haskins. Uh, you know, they always like to make those uh, Dan Snyder does those splash moves, so we'll see if that happens. But I think for Burns, the edge rusher to help out Kerrigan, obviously, uh, this, the bend off the edge, he's phenomenal. He's got the abilities up to two fifty now. He's almost six four and a half, six five, ran four six I mean four five three. Um you know, he tested well. He looks so athletic going through the drills. Uh, you know, just a smooth, athletic kid. I think it's good. He kind of gets that bend like Miles Garrett does off the edge. Guys, obviously, the, the power in the pass rush, you need to blend in a little bit of that and be a little stronger at the point. But as a, as a you know, that kind of, that, that we talk about that Seattle Seahawks type pass rusher, that's what he is. Um, and I thought for the Redskins opposite Terrigan, he would give them what they need, assuming they don't get the quarterback.
0: We'll go to Andre Johnson, followed by Donald Hunt with the Philadelphia Tribune.
1: Hey, Mel, how's it going? Um, you have the Eagles selecting Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State. Yeah. What made you go
0: with Abram as um, over, per se, um, Nazir Adderley, or maybe the Eagles looking at a running back or, or maybe even a linebacker?
1: Yeah, well, I had the, I had the uh, the Raiders taking uh, you know Josh Jacobs ahead of the Eagles at twenty four. The right? no, Eagles pick twenty five, and I think you look at Abram. I just love this tape. I, you know, he's a, he's you know, five eleven and a half, He's two hundred and five pounds. He ran four four five. He's an he can be in the box. He can be a guy that can make plays down the field. He's got tremendous range, real good instincts, great blitzer. Um, I just think he's one of the best twenty football players in this You know, one of the best twenty twenty five football players in this draft. And you know, certainly where. They're picking pick, and it sets up very well that a positional need area will have a guy who I think played in the SEC, obviously formerly at Georgia, Then you think at Adderley. I like Adderley, but I don't think, I don't think Adderley is a first-round draft choice right now. So, uh, you know, Abram, I think, played like a first-round pick and tested like a first-round pick. So uh, I, would go, I would go Abram. If he's there, I think he's a guy who has a chance to be a pro-bowl caliber safety.
0: Donald Hunt is up, and then we'll go to Ryan Tice with the Wolfpacker.
1: Yeah, Mel, give me your thoughts on the two Temple guys, Rock Yassin, uh the cornerback and um Raquel Armstead and where you might think they'll go in the draft. Yeah, I think you look at at, uh, at I like him as a player, and he tested. You know, I thought well. I mean, four five one. Everyone wants four fours. I'd rather have a four five one. It plays faster, and he does. Got great athletic ability. He's, he's got the real good feet, uh, smooth hips. You know, he almost had a forty vertical. Um, he'll support the run. He gets he gets the interceptions. I mean, Rakicin to me would be a, a a perfect Oakland Raider for Gruden. Um, and I think when you look at Armstead, a guy I wrote up on ESPN.com this year. Uh, during the season, after a game, where he runs hard, and that, that just his, his the chip he runs with. And he's a tackle breaker, and he attacks the line of scrimmage. And he had 220 pounds. He runs a four-four-five, and he tremendously strong kid, cut kid, uh, chiseled. Um, I think Armsteads. You know, when you get into the fourth, and these running backs always drop a round or two later than they should. I'd say if you can get an Armstead in the fourth or fifth round, that would be a nice addition for you.
0: We'll go to Ryan Tice and then Eric Smith with the Vikings.
1: Mel, NC State had two wide receivers in Jacoby Myers and Calvin Harmon, who ran in the four sixes at the NFL Combine. How big of a concern is that for you, and where do you see their stock going uh, right now? Well, I think right now you'd like to see him a little bit better. It doesn't, you know, negate them from being good players in the NFL or prevent them from being good NFL players. Harmon ran four six, but he's two hundred twenty one pounds, um, and yeah, you, know, you know, he's the kind of guy you, you watch him play with Finley, and the same thing with Myers. These guys have a chance. I like Harmon all along a little bit better. Um, like I said with Myers, you know, he ran at two hundred three pounds. Uh, you know, Myers ended up running four six three. Now he tested well athletically, but I, I like Harmon all year. I thought he'd be a good possession receiver type, uh, good third, fourth option, and uh, I still believe that. I, I just think he's probably more of an early day three pick with Myers more of a later round pick right now because of the 40, and because there's a host of other receivers that are in that same area that have similar skill sets, but uh, I think Harmon could be a fourth or fifth round guy. I'd probably shade more the fourth with Myers more of a late round pick.
0: Next up is Eric Smith, and then James Crapia with the Oregonian.
1: Hey, Mel, you have Jonah Williams to the Vikings at 18. Do you think he can be a day one starter at both tackle and guard? I think he's a right tackle or a guard or, or, or you know definitely and, and I, I think people always look at that Clemson game and say you know uh, Farrell, you know, you know beat him up bad in that game and that wasn't the case you go back and watch the tape of that game there's one play where Ferrell got the best of him when Jonah was a little off balance and he kind of embarrassed him in that one play and then after that he got the you know he made the play behind the line of scrimmage when Jonah pulled and was he was he went unblocked uh, Farrell did so Jonah held, more than held his own against Ferrell in that game and uh, he wasn't a liability at left tackle at any point in his career so uh, you Look at it, you know, at Jonah, people say, well, you know, short arms, yeah, that's the case, you know, but they're not incredibly short arms. They're, and the fact of the matter is, he's a, he's a kid plays with an attitude. He, he plays, he, he gets everything he has, and he was a really good player for a long time for Nick Saban there. And I, so I'd say, right tackle or guard, definitely, he can be a guy, a plug and play standout right away. That's why I thought the Minnesota Vikings would be a great opportunity for him because he presents so much versatility and he's so NFL ready from an experience and a technique standpoint.
0: We'll go to James Crapia and then Kyle Fredrickson with the Denver Post.
1: Mel wanted your assessment on Oregon's four guys who are at the combine Jalen Jelks, Justin Hollins, Dylan Mitchell, and Ugo Amati. You know, they're all uh, to me day three type guys. Uh, I think that's what I, you know. Jokic, you, you thought would go maybe a little higher when the season began, but uh, to me, he didn't produce the kind of year expected. And uh, you know, you look at numbers, and when you're you know six five and a half, and you have the the length he does, uh, you know, it, you know, to me, there's an opportunity there to be a disruptor, you know, off the edge. And uh, I think of all the guys, he's still to me the most intriguing because I thought going into the year he could maybe end up being a second round type of player. So, uh, but I think all will end up maybe. He helps because of the length and the and the wingspan and the the, the disruptive force he may be able to be once he's at the pro level. Uh, Maybe the guy that comes off the board, maybe ahead of some of the other guys. But I'd say day three more so for the other three guys.
0: We'll go to Kyle Fredrickson and then Dan Hope with 11 Warriors.
1: Hey Mel, you've got the Broncos taking T.J. Hawkinson at number ten overall, and yep. putting him on a pretty exclusive list of guys who've been taken at his position that high. Is there a little bit of risk you think involved with John Elway making that pick, or what T.J. has done um, at Iowa really kind of solidify his place as a as a real elite prospect? I think it's I think it's just the way he played, and a you know, six four and a 251, And if you know, he and didn't run great, he ran four seven, four six nine, four seven. He had a thirty seven and a half vertical. Uh, you know that's more than fast enough. I mean, a lot of tight ends run to four eights and they have productive careers. So uh, there's nothing wrong with four six nine four seven. Now, I don't know, you know. You're looking at four five for Fant. I think I thought Hawkinson was a better player than Iowa than Fant was. And you go by who the better player is. Who can be a guy who can block in line, gives you a great attitude, great approach, plays with a lot of desire, a lot of intent. And I think for, for the, the thing is here, Joe Flacco has always been tight end oriented. His eyes go to the tight end. He had Dennis Pitt as his main target. They drafted two tight ends this past year to help Joe out. One was hurt. And then, of course, Andrews had the big year. Uh, but I think you know, just because of the nature of the quarterback and where Joe Flacco's eyes tend to lead him, he counts and relies heavily on the tight end. And I think Hawkinson would be a guy that could help the quarterback rather than take the heir apparent to Flacco, if you're John Elway, who may end up being the quarterback for the next GM if you. Don't win this year. I think there's more pressure to win, and pressure to win means help Flacco out, help that running game out with a tight end who can block as well.
0: Dan Hope is up, and then we'll go to Rich Samini with ESPN.
1: Hey, Mel, I wanted to ask you about Terry McLaurin. You have him in the first round of your mock today. Seems like he's a guy whose draft stock has really grown meteorically the past couple of months. Just how much of you? heard the buzz around him grow as he's gone from the Senior Bowl to the Combine of a Pro Day and and had the performances he's had. Well, you combine the year he had... Uh, with the big plays, the fact that he's six feet two oh eight and he runs four three four three five, a great athletic ability, strong for his size. Um, you know, to me, you know what he can do in the NFL, taking the top off of defense, being a vertical threat. The consistency catching the football was there. Uh, you know, McLaurin is kind of an under the radar guy. You're always looking at the next receiver after the say you know, DK Metcalf, and I think I McLaurin because of Mar- Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown's injury. Uh, AJ Brown's a slot guy. Uh, Paris Campbell didn't really didn't use that speed and translate it to the field as much as people thought he should and could have. So Again, uh, Terry McLaurin, after the Senior Bowl momentum, the combine, he put it together with the tape. Uh, in a year where, like I say, you're trying to find those first-round receivers beyond D.K. Metcalf, that's why I put him in the Colts, to help out Andrew Luck. They brought in Devin Funches, a big receiver, to go with T.Y. Hilton. Now you had Locke McLaurin if you're the Colts. Now you have a chance to really attack people. You have the two tight ends and and Doyle and uh, Ebron, now you really have something going if you're the Colts to try to make a run at a Super Bowl. So uh, I would think McLaren would be a real nice addition to Indianapolis' offense. And I think Andrew Luck would love to have a guy like that along with T.Y. Hilton and Devin Funches.
0: Next up is Rich Samini and then D. Orlando Ledbetter with the Atlanta Journal Constitution.
1: Hey, Mel, with with the Josh Allen going to the Jets in your mock, I'm wondering what you like about him and also. And I think he's mentioned this before, just a comparison maybe at, at this stage of his career to Khalil Mack, just from the athleticism, the position, and also the fact that they were very, you know, unheralded guys when they got to college. I'm wondering if you could see some similarities there. Yeah, that's great, Rich. I think exactly to go to Buffalo as Khalil did and then have to prove himself there, and and for Josh in Kentucky. Now he had seven sacks the pre- two, previous two years, but then this year he jumps up to with seventeen, and and you know he's almost six five. He's two hundred and sixty two pounds, and you're running four sixes, and you got tremendous strength, and uh, you know with the long arms and all that to go along with it. So he has everything it takes. He's got the right attitude. He certainly technically he improved. Uh, he finished. He closed out the plays, and you know, he was a. Finisher this year, more so than he ever had been. Uh, you know, the teams didn't have an answer for him. And they knew who they were targeting. They, they knew going in who they had to block, and they still couldn't block Josh Allen. So I would say, the you know, he is right there. I mean, you know, he says he's the best player in the draft. You could make a, You could make an argument. Nick Bosa, Quinnen Williams, and Josh Allen are the three best players. Any one of those three you could argue is the best player in the draft. You know, the two quarterbacks, obviously, you know, Haskins and Murray are different, but you can make an argument there. I'm a big Devin White fan from LSU. I think those are your six that you're kind of you – could put them at you know, any, any one of those six, you could put at number one. And I don't think anybody, Rich, would have a real argument if you had Murray or Haskins, Devin White, the linebacker at LSU, or Allen, Williams, or Bosa. So Josh Allen's right there. And if you can get him where they're picking, now they also have the possibility of trading down. If a team like the Giants or the Redskins, somebody wants to move up to get Dwayne Haskins, that third pick's going to have a lot of value. We'll
0: go to D. Orlando Redbetter and then Alex Schiffer with the KC Star.
1: Yes, Mel, um, could you discuss the Georgia players, uh, after Baker, Hartman, uh the wide receivers and if uh Holyfield should've came out if he knew he was gonna run a four eight. Well, I think any time you, know, you, you got to, I would say for underclassmen, know your measurables. Know your accurate measurables. And if they're not in line with what they need to be, within a range that they need to be, you go back and you work on things and you become a better player. And uh, you know, to me, I've always said, if you're not a first-round pick or an early to mid-second-round pick, guaranteed or you know, the consensus is that's where you're going to go, you should go back for another year. If you have eligibility, use it. Don't come out when you're not a first or early second round pick. Back in the day, it used to be if you weren't a First round pick, you didn't come out. Now you got fifth, seven round picks coming out early. It makes no sense to me, but I think DeAndre Baker is the one I like him as a corner, uh, as, as a player with the pads on. Uh, you know, he's got you know he's got the ability. I think to be a guy who can who competes. Uh, you know, he, he's guy he gives you the effort and as, a, as a run support corner. We know he can cover. He proved that in the SEC time and again. So I gave DeAndre Baker the edge here I think he's a first round caliber player. Miko Hardman with his versatility in the return game, with his four three speed. Very intriguing guy in the third, fourth round. Same thing for Riley Ridley, the receiver there. Um, I think when you look at, at DeAndre Walker, if he can kind of take what, the, what you saw glimpses of and you saw you know instances where he got after the quarterback, make that a little bit more consistent. I think DeAndre Walker uh, you know, certainly has a chance to be a guy and say, day three that it would come in with some pass rush potential in the National Football League.
0: Alex Schiffer is up and then Ron Counts with the Charlottesville Daily.
1: Hey Mel, I was gonna ask you about three Missouri guys. On your last conference call, you said there was no built-in consensus for Drew Locke as to where hell will go. Has that changed? And then with Tamari, Crockett, and Emmanuel Hall, they both seem to have big pro days and combines respectively. You know, what do you think of them and where they could go? Yeah, I just did it. Say I just have Hall. Hall's right now in that top ten of receivers. I think with his speed and the way he produced over twenty yards of catch running in the four threes, I think he's a guy could be a third or fourth round possibility. Crockett is a you know, guy's got talent. We know that as, as a late round possibility, he would make sense. There's really still not the consensus on Locke uh, in terms of everybody saying that that, that he's going to be a top ten guy guaranteed. Um, yeah, I gave him 13 to Miami. My, you, know, you always hear about Denver, but I've explained that. I think John Elway may look for a guy who can help Flacco rather than Flacco's heir apparent. But that's still a possibility at Denver. Cincinnati, I thought about giving him there at 11, and I gave, I ended up giving him to Miami. Uh, would Washington, it'll be interesting. If Washington doesn't move up to get Haskins, would Washington, knowing that teams at 10, 11, and 13 could take Locke, would Washington at 15 move up ahead of those teams, get up to that 7, 8, 9 range, and take Locke there, if they can't go up and get Haskins? So, again, I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, there's some scenarios that could get Locke in the top 10, and that would be the trade up by, say, a team like the Redskins, if they don't, or if they're not successful in going up to get Haskins. And if, if no trades occur there, and they, you know, of course they always do, but you can't project it, then I think Miami, or Cincinnati, and then if you want to stretch it to Denver, it would be good uh, landing spots for him.
0: All right, we're going to go to Ron
1: Counts and then Aaron McMahon with Live Media Group. Hey, Mel, uh, I actually have two questions about Virginia safety, one, Thornhill. First, given the guys you talk to around the league, do teams like him more as a safety, or do they want him to kind of fill that nickel corner position? And two, how do you, given his performance at the combine, do you see him sneaking into the second round? Definitely, uh, I think, and I wrote Thornhill up on ESPN.com this year. I think a very underrated player. Uh, you, you love the way he competes. He's played. You know, he's shown he can do it at the corner and safety. A uh, great cover guy. Um, you know, he's the kind of player that I think. I wouldn't be shocked. It wouldn't shock me if he went in the late first. Uh, you know, with a guy, you got over six feet tall, over 200 pounds. that runs 4'4", really good strength for his size, and phenomenal athleticism. Um, a 44 vertical is eye-catching. We saw Byron Jones with that incredible vertical go in the first round. I, w- I wouldn't count out the late first round for Juan Thornhill, a team like the Raiders. But... Um, Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Eagles, teams like that for Thornhill, I think would make sense. So, yeah, if his name was called, uh, you know, late on day one, I would be – I'm going to be prepared for it. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I think at the latest, he goes early to mid-two.
0: So I have to say I apologize. I'm hearing that there might be some trouble with the volume on the call. So just a a favor, anyone asking a question, if you could just make sure to speak right into the phone – so Everyone can hear that would be great. We'll go to Aaron McMahon next and then Garen Enig with the Tulsa World.
1: Mel, another question about a couple Michigan guys. Uh, Chief Winovich and then cornerback David Long, where do they sit after the combine in your mind? You know, I I, I still and I've always liked Winovich, and I think when you look at him, I'd say two, three. you know, and I think again, you know, after you get past the initial group of, of uh, pass rushers, he's in that second tier. Uh, you know, gives you everything he has. You know, he ran under four six. Uh, yeah, I think he would be a guy to me. Like I say, I'd say I wouldn't say a locked second rounder, but certainly has a, an opportunity to be a second round draft choice after all is said and done. So, uh, like I said, I. I've liked him all along. Uh, I'm not going to change on him. I think, you know, like I said, I thought maybe at one point it could be a late one. I'm thinking more of a solid two for him. At the worst, a third round pick for long. You know, you know, you run a four, or four, or five. That's going to help you. You have almost a forty vertical. That's always a plus. Uh, was did he play as well as he tested at times? I didn't always see that, but there were games when he looked like. When we had talked about him. I think in a previous call that I thought at one point in time this year he could maybe be a second round pick. I have a fourth round grade on him. I upped that to a third based on his testing and combined with the way he played in certain games. So I'm going to say third round after all said and done for David Long. Uh, like I said, when you, you, you test as well as he did and you're you know, you know, nearly 200 pounds, you played in the Big Ten, you had some games where you looked like you could be a one or a two, just like to see more consistency. I, you know, I'd say solid third round pick there.
0: We'll go to Garen Emig and then Mike K. with NewJersey.com.
1: Okay, thanks, Mel and Allie. Uh Hey, Mel, a couple of uh, Sooners and one Oklahoma State Cowboys, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, you, you referenced Marquise Brown a little bit ago, but just maybe a little bit more elaboration on how the uh, the surgery has affected his stock. Cody Ford, the the lineman who's get, who's gotten some first round play, I know, and, and some mocks, and then Justice Hill running back from OSU, who uh, I think helped himself at the combine, where, where you see justice right now. Yeah, in terms of Marquise for Hollywood Brown, I mean, he had 166 pounds and then had the the surgery. And then, uh, you yeah, know, I think he's he would have been a first. Now he's borderline. So, again, you, know, you don't know how that's going to shake down. He played like a first-round pick when he was healthy. I liked Marquise Brown all year. I think when he was at 100%, if there was no injury, he'd be one of the best 20, 25 players in this draft. But you have to factor the injury into it. And that pushes him down just a bit. Uh Cody Ford's to me is a late first round pick. Uh that's where I had him going, uh, to the Los Angeles Chargers at pick number twenty eight. I think he's a right tackle. Uh some think he's more of a guard, uh, but I'm looking at him more as a right tackle prospect there. Uh Justice Hill, you're right, he did. He showed explosiveness at Oklahoma State with the pads on. Then he goes and works. He's only you know, five nine and a half, he's under two hundred pounds. But you know, you run a four four. You know, a 40 vertical, Uh, he gives you that kind of explosiveness that people want. Uh, Yeah, he could certainly end up, he's one of my top, if you go tomorrow and see the top ten running backs, he'll be in that group. That puts him in the third to fifth round discussion. So, uh, you know, and he will be one of the more explosive backs in this draft. So I'd I'd say round, late day two, early day three.
0: We'll go to Mike Kaye, followed by Derek Redd with the Charleston Gazette.
1: Hey Mel, you know when you look at the running back class, the Eagles like to to move around guys and and have a committee. Who do you think is the best guy that you can get value out of in a committee role, as opposed to maybe a third, uh, a three-down back? Well, I think Damian Harris has shown that at Alabama. Um, you know, he's obviously always been in a, in a committee role with Jacobs and with Najee Harris. Uh, yeah, he was expected to be the guy this year, it ended up being Josh Jacobs. Uh, Miles Sanders at Penn State's an interesting guy. Uh, there were some games where I really liked him. other games because the offensive line didn't help him out. That he was he was contained a bit. Loved Devin Singletary. Everything about him from Florida Atlantic except the forty speed. But again, he's quick. He's not fast, but uh, you know, but he plays. I think faster than he times. So. Uh, I think Reichwell Armstead could be a really good fourth or fifth round pick. So there's some depth to this group. I mean, you've got a couple injured guys, Bryce Love from Stanford and Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, who, had they not been injured, would have been a much higher pick. I mean, Love would have probably been in the second or third round discussion. Anderson certainly would have been in the third round discussion. So if they get pushed down, they become good value picks. And you can't forget about David Montgomery. Iowa State, all he does is move the chains. That team's keyed on him, uh, and he was able to break tackles. Uh, he the earned the real estate that he was able to get. Montgomery did. So I think you know he's more in that second, third-round mix. So I think all those guys could be in that committee role, uh, and there's a host of backs that are going to have solid careers in this league. And like I guess if I had to say how they'll come off the board right now, I think it'll be Jacobs one, Damian Harris two, then either Miles Sanders, Penn State, or David Montgomery, Iowa State, as your third, fourth running backs drafted.
0: Derek Red is up, and then Josh Edwards with 24-7 Sports.
1: Mel, John Kaminsky, a D2 defensive end from the University of Charleston, has been making some waves over the last couple of months. Uh, what do you think about him and his rise up the board, and where do you think he could end up in the draft this year? Well, you know, everything about him, you know, it says developmental type player, obviously getting coached up, coming from a lower level. But, you know, when you're over 6'5", and you're on nearly 290 pounds, because you're running into four sixes, uh, and you test out well athletically, and you, you have, the, you know, decent strength overall, uh, there's a lot to work with there. And, again, you know, you're, you're you're talking about the senior bowl, mixing in with a lot of players from, from all over the country at major programs, and, you know, test well. Uh, you're talking about when you get into the day three area, you get into that fourth, fifth round area, and you look at a potential where he can be down the road, if you know if coached properly, with the kind of talent and the kind of attitude he brings to the table, that's when you start to think that's, that's a pick that would would, would be, make sense. And it's a pick that you would say, okay, there's some excitement here around a fourth or fifth round pick with that kind of skill set that could maybe develop down the road two, three years into something for you as a pass rusher. So I would say day three, we'll be talking a lot about Kaminsky.
0: Josh Edwards is next, and then Eric Baccarat with the Tennesseans.
1: Hey, Mel, two-part question. Um, First of all, if you're John Dorsey, what are you hoping to accomplish in this draft without a first-round pick? And second, what do you think about the Kentucky prospects outside of Josh Allen? Yeah, I think what you're trying to do there is first look at a safety at some point. And, uh, and that, this, is, this is a great year for safeties in this draft. So he's in a, it's, it's really and even corner as well. So it's a really good year for both. I mean, I didn't talk about Corey Ballantyne from Washburn, a corner who I like. Uh, Lonnie Johnson, Jr. from Kentucky. has great length. Had a good Senior Bowl week. Uh, and then the safeties, I haven't mentioned Darnell Savage, Jr. from Maryland. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson fills a lot of roles from slot guy and covering the slot can be a safety corner. Uh, interesting player there. Will Harris, Boston College. Amani Hooker from Iowa. I already talked about Thornhill. Uh, Kerry Willis from Michigan State. This, this is a great year to, have, to need a corner or a safety, particularly a safety, in, say, the second round or third round. So I think everything sets up well for Cleveland to, to get that secondary help that they're going to be looking for. And in terms of, of the uh, Kentucky kids, the DBs, I think that's where you look at, uh, at I already mentioned Lonnie Johnson, I think you look at, uh, at Edwards. And I think that's where you get a guy who is a proven playmaker. He's a guy who was a team leader, uh, You know, Mike Edwards. Uh, he, you know, he's around the ball. You know, he makes his presence felt in a lot of ways. I think when you get into the fourth, fifth round for Edwards, uh, I think Johnson would be a second or third. I think Edwards would be more of a 4-5.
0: Eric Bacharach is next, and then Chris Brown with the Buffalo Bills.
1: Hey, Mel, do you think it's, it's something close
0: to a, a foregone conclusion that the Titans go with the front seven type guy with 19th 19, 19 overall, just, just with what they did in free agency? Uh, and was there anyone else you considered for the Titans at 19 besides
1: Dexter Lawrence? You know, I thought I thought edge or, or defensive tackle, you know, the tight end position I thought it was just a little early with Hawkinson gone. Uh, I thought about a receiver but didn't force McLaurin up there. I just felt like take advantage of the strength of the draft. Obviously, that's a positional need area. Uh, you know, if Dexter Lawrence is there, I think it would make sense. I think Wilkins will be gone. Jeffrey Simmons would be intriguing but I think the, the off-the-field issue from prior years back and, and then the injury with the ACL will push him into the second round but he's a he was a top 10, top 15 caliber player when he was 100%. Um, but I think if Lawrence is there, you know, then I think at 19, uh, that would be – it wasn't hard to make that, that call uh, when you, the way things flowed down in terms of the first round where he was still there. It was an easy one for me to do, uh, projecting Lawrence to Tennessee.
0: Chris Brown is up. And then Matt Lombardo with New Jersey Advanced Media.
1: Mel, as uh, good as this class is at defensive tackle and edge rusher at the top, how, how deep do you feel the class runs at those two positions just in terms of still being able to get a player who can maybe challenge for a starting role as a rookie? Yeah, that's a good question because there is a lot of depth. And I was just, just looking here at guys that, you I mean, Jamal Davis coming off the edge. Moore's a 3-4 outside linebacker from Akron. Liked him as a player. And he tested great. So there's an under-the-radar guy uh, that I think could be a force. We've talk, we always talked about Albert Huggins at Clemson. When Dexter Lawrence was suspended, he got his chance. He was the third man in that rotation there. Uh, so he's the kind of guy uh, that can maybe be a factor for you. I want to see w- what happens with Rennell Wren from Arizona State, a freakish talent. Didn't produce the dynamic. Dynamic plays, you expect it, but he's a, a gifted defensive tackler. Somebody's going to roll the dice with fairly early. Armand Watch from Arkansas had a solid career. Uh, he could be a good day three pick for somebody. Um, and I think when you look at other guys in terms of the defensive end position, uh, Joe Jackson from Miami. There were games where he impressed me coming off the edge, and he could maybe end up in day three.
0: Matt Lombardo is up, and then David Newton with ESPN.
1: Hey, Mel, I know you have Dwayne Haskins at number six of the Giants, but if they go in a different direction there or wait to get the quarterback later, who do you think is the best fit for them at six, and who do you think is a, uh, another option at quarterback other than Haskins? Well, you, know, you wouldn't take a corner at that point. I mean, are you going to be looking at that stage, you know, at an Ed Oliver? Um you know a defensive tackle who can get into the backfield and wreak some havoc. There's not a receiver to take at that point. uh you know Jawan Taylor on the offensive line would be a guy as a right tackle, but uh, I just felt like Haskins you know at six if he were there now there's no guarantee he will be because there's a good chance there are a strong possibility somebody could move up to three with the jets and get him and If the Giants aren't that team and they're sitting there at six and seventeen, probably to look at defensive players like you said as far as the seventeenth they have him taken Christian Wilkins a defensive tackle or well, yeah, maybe look at an offensive lineman at some point. But uh I still I I would find it hard to believe that it had to be two years in a row. They opt away from the quarterback. Uh when they said that their kind of the blueprint is gonna be the Chiefs of the model of the Chiefs of letting their quarterback sit for a year, you know, behind the established veteran. Uh that would be Eli this year for the one year and go out and get Haskins. So uh now they could look down the line there's some depth at quarterback with Daniel Jones from Duke and will Greer from West Virginia and Ryan Finley from NC State and Jared Stidham from Auburn and a developmental guy like Tyree Jackson at Buffalo a uh, Clayton Thorson at Northwestern who played injured this year but showed a couple of years ago how good he can be when he was hundred percent so there 's a lot of depth at quarterback and a lot of good third to fifth round quarterbacks so you know, if they don 't tell you don 't feel Haskins is worthy of being a top ten pick and they like one of the quarterbacks I just mentioned as a guy could be the heir apparent to Eli Manning. Then they could go that
0: route. David David Newton is up, and then Stephen Hellwagen with 24-7 Sports.
1: Yeah, Mel, how did the decision by the three Clemson defensive linemen to stay another year impact their draft status in terms of where they may go this year as compared to last year, and, and how rare was their group decision? Well, it was a great decision because they won a championship, so uh, again, that's why you go back to, to maintain or improve your position and win a national title. And I think when you look at, at uh, where Christian Wilkins is projected, he could go anywhere seventeen or higher. Um, I thought about him at 14 to Atlanta. Uh, so Christian Wilkins is going to go mid first. That's that's great for him. Farrell at 16 to Clemson to uh, Carolina we, was the pick that we've had. Carolina, I've had Carolina taken since mock number one. So I think Farrell, you know, with the following in the footsteps of Julius Peppers, will be a lot of high expectations if he goes there. But uh, certainly it will be a good spot because they need help as a, as a, in terms of an edge uh, rusher from a defensive end standpoint. And then you look at Dexter Lawrence, uh, you know, to go at 19 to Tennessee. Obviously, the end of the year didn't go the way he would hoped it would, but 19 uh, is a great spot for him. Tennessee needs help at that position. Uh, he'd be a good hole filler right away. So I think the fact that they go back to win a, tri- a title, they did that, and all three are going to go in that uh, that mid-first round area.
0: Stephen Hellwagen is next, and then Evan Barnes with the Memphis Commercial Appeal.
1: Uh, yeah, Mel, I want to ask about, uh, obviously, uh, covering Ohio State, uh, Nick Bosa. Has he, with his combine performance and the things he was able to do, late the fears of a lot of people about coming off of the injury and then with uh, Dwayne haskins um, any any kind of reaction to the workout that he had there in Columbus uh, last week and throwing to his guys just uh, I don't know was there anything that that was good or bad or, or that that people have talked about since that uh, workout and I appreciate it yeah yeah it's a good question I think nothing I didn't hear anything with pro days pro days for a quarterback what are you gleaning from that Really, I mean, some of the best pro days have been busts, and some of the questionable pro days have been guys like Peyton Manning, who had you know a great career as a Hall of Famer. So look at Teddy Bridgewater with the glove, not wearing the glove, and all that. And, and uh, but prior to his injury, he was uh, doing really well and it was a first round end of the first round pick. So, uh, and then you look at some great workouts like JerMarcus Russell and others that, that had great pro days. So again, it's set up for the quarterback to do well. You're throwing against air. You can work on things in terms of your footwork and things when you're playing without pads, without anybody chasing you down, without any defensive players on the field. And uh, so, it's, again, then you revert back to some of the old habits, bad habits, once you get him into camp. So, again, I, I think pro days are very misleading. They're a very deceptive part of the process. They're set up for quarterbacks to do really well, uh, even if they're not great prospects. So I wouldn't get too concerned with that for Haskins. Haskins, if he's going to go top ten, it's not going to be based on a pro day. You're not going to not like him because of a pro day or love him because of a pro day. That shouldn't be the case, and it's not the case. Um, you know, in terms of Bosa, yeah, he would have liked to run a little bit better, but that's not his game. It's quickness, and he's got great strength in his hands. He's got tremendous technique. Um, that's his game, and uh, you know, he, he will like Joey. Uh, you know, go out there when he's healthy, and that's the concern: durability. He had two injuries the last four years. Nick Bosa did, and obviously, you, know, you got to be on the field for a long NFL season. That's the concern with him. It's not ability, it's durability with Nick Bosa. And if he can, uh, like I said, when he's going to be out there, you expect him to be a great player. We just hope he can play uh, you know, full seasons once he's in the NFL.
0: Evan Barnes is up. And then Pat Finley with the Chicago Sun-Times.
1: Hi, Mel. I had a couple questions. Um, where do you see uh, Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard from Memphis uh, looking at this point in your big board? And just what do you see them projecting as – on the next level yeah I've always liked Henderson uh, yeah he's a guy he'll hit you home run he showed it. 4.49 speed it uh, you know he's a compact he's low based um, he's strong, uh, he catches the ball out of the backfield, and when he does get the ball in his hands, he can go the distance. Um, he to me is the third to fifth round type of running back uh, in this draft. Uh, Pollard, with his versatility, here's a kid, 210 pounds, uh, you know, runs four five, very athletic kid, you can utilize him in a lot of different ways, move him outside, running back, slot, all different ways you can get Pollard involved in, in the offense to help your team out. So I think Pollard may go right in that same general area. I'd say third, fourth round for, uh, for Henderson and Pollard, really, late day two early day three, with two guys that are going to be, because of their versatility, very attractive to a lot of NFL teams.
0: Lauren, before we move on, would you do me a favor and reopen uh, Evan's line? I think he might have had a couple other questions. And Evan's line has disconnected. Okay. All right. Hopefully he got what he needed there. We'll go to Pat Finley hmm. and then Tony Sukalis with Bama Insider.
1: Hey, Mel, uh, the Bears don't pick until the third round, obviously. I'm curious uh, what the challenge of that is uh, entering a draft and what you've seen Ryan Pace do uh, kind of in the mid-rounds in his couple of years uh, with the Bears. Well, he's done a good job. He's found guys. He, you know, he, you know, you had Eddie Jackson. You think about what he was able to do, and, and, uh, and Cohen, and you think know, about last year, and then getting a running back at some point. And this is a pretty good group of running backs that you can pick up in the third, fourth, fifth round. I mean, I haven't even mentioned some guys like Trayvon Williams from Texas A and M, uh, Dexter Williams from Notre Dame, uh, that are good backs. And I didn't have a lot. Of, I mentioned the guys that were hurt uh, in, in uh, Bryce Love and, and Rodney Anderson, Miles Gaskin. You know, didn't have the grade forty, but he's a very athletic kid. Uh, strong for his size out of Washington um, so this is a, a year where you can find running backs like I say third to fifth round look what they got they got Howard they got Howard in the fifth round coming out of Indiana so um edge guys there's going to be some depth at that spot uh you know i think there's there's some guys you can get on day three i'm going to see where max crosby goes from eastern michigan does he go third fourth round we talked about jamal davis i did earlier from akron as a guy you could get maybe day three that can i think really do a good job coming off the edge as well with his hand on the ground or playing on his feet as an outside linebacker so i think you know again they've done a good job identifying really good day three players and i think that running back Edge guys, tight ends. I think there's some you – know, I got a, a really good uh, sleeper tight end. He had a, a heck of a year at San Diego State, uh, limited football background, had a good workout. It's Kahale Waring from San Diego State. Uh kid that if you can get wearing in the fourth round, fifth round, tight end with his kind of hands and his ability to get down the field and stretch the deep middle, uh, he would be a real nice addition. Of course, they have to find a place kicker at some point. And, uh, yeah, I think this year um, there's some interesting guys. I mean, we haven't talked a lot about the special teamers in this draft, but uh, John Barron, the second, a kicker out of San Diego State, uh, Cole Tracy out of LSU. Uh, Chase McLaughlin at Illinois Uh, I think there's a a couple kickers that may be late, they may want to take a chance on one of those three guys But uh, obviously that's still a neat area for the Bears
0: Tony Sukala is up and then Ken Sugara with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution
1: Hey Mel Uh, we saw Irv Smith Jr. uh, get into your mock draft, what do you see in him and, and how high do you think he could actually climb in this draft well, we talked about Tennessee. I thought it was a little early for them. I just felt like New England, Green Bay, uh, towards the later portion of round one would be where you would see a kid coming off the board with, with his skill set. He had a big year, over 40 catches, over 16-yard average, seven touchdowns, uh, the bloodlines. Everything falls in place for Irv Smith Jr. I think to be a late first-round possibility. So I put him, I was almost going to him the Green Bay. I gave Noah Fant to Green Bay, but uh, Smith is a little more complete, uh, and I think that's what's going to be the attractive part of it for the pay- so he'll block, he'll give you effort as a blocker. Uh, you can flex him out a little bit. He gives you some versatility there. Does not just be in line. Uh, and he can run. Like I said he runs 4'6 at 242 pounds.
0: Ken Segura is up, and then Matt Wenzel with M Live.
1: Hey, Mel, I had a question about Georgia Tech. I was curious what grade you put on Henri Santamore, and if there are any other Georgia Tech guys
0: you feel like could get some interest as uh, UDFAs.
1: Yeah, like I said, I think you you basically hit it. It's just a year where just as it worked out, and that obviously has translated to you know the changes and some things were made. That was a, a team that was scared of the daylights of it from a college standpoint. You know, playing each week against that offense, but uh obviously there's he kind of it's a plateau type of team that they have been, and that, that's that's I think going to change moving forward. But I think yeah, you got some cash rush ability with him, no question about it. So he could be maybe a day three possibility, but I don't have a, a draftable grade on anybody else coming out of Georgia Tech.
0: We'll go to Matt Wenzel and then Adam Gorney with Rivals.com.
1: Hey, Mel, I was wondering if following the combine, you think Justin Lane's still a day two guy or if he has a sense to move up? And kind of based on the same thing for other Michigan State guys, you think anybody moved up based on how they did the combine? I think Gary Willis is a, is a solid second or third round pick uh, coming out. Um, you know, with his production and the way he's played at Michigan State, uh, you know, I think he could be a two or a three. Elaine, uh, you know, I think right now if you say where does he end up, I'd say I can't see a, a corner that has the length he does that Could get out of the second round. I just think, you know, the second round would be a great spot for him. It's, you know, he's 6'2 basically, over 190 pounds, great athletic ability. Uh, You know, he's got the long arms um, and the way he played. And when you you combine all that together, late first round, it wouldn't shock me uh, because you see corners like him go at, at some point there, but I don't think he gets out of round two.
0: So Adam has disconnected. We're going to move to Dave Hyde with the South Florida Sentinel, and then Brooks Cabina with the Advocate.
1: Yeah, Mel, could you just uh, talk about Drew Lock, why the Dolphins? I mean, obviously they're looking for a quarterback, and how do you weigh this year, if you're them, to next year when there's three top ones coming out? You don't know where you're going to be picking, number one. You don't know how the year is going to go. Everybody says they're going to tank for Tua. Well, they're saying they're not going to do that. And then you've got Justin Herbert as well and others. And in two years from now, you're going to have Trevor Lawrence. So, you don't worry about that. You, you know, you, you have changes. You have coaches like Steve Wilkes getting fired after one year. You can't be worrying about that type of thing. you got to try to build your football team up now. And, uh, if Drew Locke is, if you, it depends on your grade. If you have a top 10 grade on Drew Locke and you're picking at 13, um, where the Dolphins are, then you take him. Uh, it depends how you feel about True Lock. There's not a consensus on a lot of these quarterbacks every year. Some like these guys, you know. And some look at the Giants last year. They passed one when Josh Allen and then Sam Darnold. Uh, if you thought the quarterbacks were franchise, you don't take a running back over a franchise quarterback. Obviously, they didn't think that were two franchise quarterbacks. I know the Bills and the Jets feel they have franchise quarterbacks now. So again, what do you feel that Haskins is a franchise quarterback? If you're the Giants, if you do, you got to move up the three to get them. If you don't. Then you pass on them. To the, the, the Miami Dolphins, they have to feel that Drew Locke is a franchise quarterback, or else you pass on him at 13, you know, and then you wait till next year. I could see that. But if they feel Drew Locke can be a, a big time starting quarterback, you got to take him at 13. So that just gets down to their assessment of Drew Locke. And if he doesn't go there, I think the Redskins at 15, or I say the Cincinnati Bengals at 11, I almost put him there. A new coach could go with a quarterback as a heir apparent to apparent to Andy Dalton. So again, it uh, depends on how the Miami Dolphins, as a North organization feel about drew lock and if they love him, you don't worry about next year you take them now and if you don't love them you don't take them there and and you try to fill other voids and and uh, build around the veteran quarterback that you just brought in
0: next up is brooks cabina and then alex bidington with the montgomery advertiser
1: Hey Mel, question about some LSU guys: Devin White, Greedy Williams, and Foster Moreau. Uh, you know, you mentioned Devin White was one of your favorite prospects. I just want to know a little bit about that. And with Greedy, you, what frequency do you hear questions about his tackling and fluidity? And you know, how much can that change up to the draft? Well, it, you know, it's not going to change. I think the opinions are already are, are complete now. Um, and I think the tackling and the ability to be a, you know, a, an 11th man on that defense and not play with 10 and not have a big running back coming around the corner and make a business decision on whether you tackle or you don't. So, again, you've got to tackle these bigger receivers, these tight ends in space because it's, a, it's an extension of the running game or these short passes. You can't be missing tackles in the open field or around the line of scrimmage. So, again, tackling not just running backs but receivers and tight ends. And that's going to be the issue, and uh, and obviously playing up to the level and a cover from a coverage standpoint of the kind of talent that he brings to the table there with that four three speed and he's shown he has ball skills and he shows that he can be the key to leave in coverage at times, but he wasn't on a consistent basis even in coverage. And again, that's the kind of player you would comp him to would be a key to leave. But to leave will tackle and to leave had a ton of career interceptions. He was a more consistently dominant cover corner, so and a more of a big play guy on a consistent basis. So, so, again, that's why greedy most. The consensus now of people I've spoken to is he goes 20, say 15 to 20, 15 to 30 in that area. Okay. I thought about giving him to the Giants at 17, thought about giving him to Pittsburgh at 20. Uh, Oakland at 24. I think he was John Gruden's kind of corner because of the questionable tackling ability. Uh, gave a safety over a corner to the Eagles, and then I dropped him down to Kansas City, was kind of, would I think would be thrilled to see Greedy Williams still on the board, considering they need a cover guy. The Chiefs need a cover guy to get a guy who runs 4-3 that has his, his length and showed when he was on top of his game he can be a shutdown corner with great ball skills. To get him late in the first round would be a nice pick, but I think it's questionable now whether he will be a top 15 pick like I thought he would a couple months to go.
0: Alex Byington is next, and then John Mullen with NBC Sports Chicago.
1: Yeah, Mal, I wanted to ask you about a, a, a couple of uh, Alabama defenders. Uh, first off, you know, Mac Wilson didn't run the best 40-time as Pro Day. How do you think that will affect him? And then just your evaluations of guys like Christian Miller, Isaiah Bugs, Savion Smith, not first-round guys, but guys that, that could be later-round options. Yeah, I would just say from a round standpoint, just dude's trying to get through it quick. Mac Wilson, I, I think, is a second-round caliber player. Uh, he's an every-down player. Uh, I don't think he had the year, and I know I expected more. I thought he'd end up being a first-round pick and following the footsteps of all those former, you know, Alabama inside linebackers. He didn't play to that level, that's why I have a second-round grade on him right now. I have a second-round grade on safety Deontay Thompson. I have a fourth-round grade on Isaiah Bugs, the defensive lineman. Uh, like I said, uh, we talked about Jonah Williams earlier. Damian Harris, I think, running back goes in the second round. Um, And I think when you look at at the other players, Christian Miller, I like his length. Uh, You know, he was certainly, when he was healthy, was a big play guy. Their defense wasn't the same when he wasn't on the field. He's up to almost 250 pounds. Really good athlete. Uh, I would say, you know, Christian Miller early day three would be somebody I think you you would want to bring into the fold at that point. So I'd say fourth, fifth round area for him.
0: Next is John Mullen and then Nate Atkins with MLive.com.
1: Hi, uh, Mel. Just again, back to a little bit with the Bears having a third round pick. And how, how would a team or how should a team approach sitting that far down? Ryan Pace typically goes into a draft with a, what he calls a cloud of players, anywhere from three to seven guys. And that's when he's sitting up in the top 15. Now he doesn't pick the third round. Should they just stay with the board and let it come to them, or will they be able to target players in this draft at that at that point of the draft? Well, I think it depends upon how far a player drops. If you have your board and you see a guy that's in the, you know, that's way up there, you know, the 35th, 40th best player tends to drop further than you think and you see him dropping or a 25th best player is dropping a lot further than you think and, and then you go get him. And it just depends how the board unfolds, and I don't think you can predetermine that going in, because you always have surprises. So, I think that depends upon, you know, how their board works in conjunction with what actually happens. And then, obviously the needs. We talked about running back, there's some depth at that position. Edge rusher, there's some depth there. Tight end, and then we talked about how great the safety position is, and some cornerbacks. So, everything they need right now, is kind of in line, the kicking situation. I mentioned some guys there that they could maybe pick up at some point. So everything that they could be looking at, uh, you know, does fall in line with good depth at those uh, those uh, various spots. So if you had an say right now, uh, you know, they should end up in pretty good shape. But I, I, I really I think the comment on whether they should move up or down depends upon how their board sets up. Like I say, once the draft starts happening, you know, is there a player that they were shocked is there say mid to late second round? If that's the case, you go up and you get them. But you can't always predetermine that going in.
0: We'll go to Nate Atkins and then Charlie Potter with twenty four seven sports.
1: I know you've got Montez Sweat going to the Lions in the first round. If they do that, they need to look at a guard, likely on on day two, who are some names you think might fit them in that uh, second and third round range? Well, I think uh, Dalton uh, Reisner from Kansas State is a tackle guard. Uh, Michael Dieter, Wisconsin, with his versatility. Connor McGovern, Penn State, and Max Sharping, Northern Illinois, are all versatile guys. Can play tackle, can play guard. Some can move into center. Um, Chuma Adoga from USC was a right tackle, can play guard. He would be another one. So I, you know, I would say if you look at a pure guard situation, Bo Benshaw, Wisconsin, Drew Samia, Oklahoma. But if you're saying in that particular and I think Chris Lindstrom's the best guard uh you know he's, he played some tackle but he was and that, that was uh um in 2017, he's been a right guard, really three of the four years, actually three and a half of the four years. Uh, you know, has started a ton of games. You know, he's a guy you know, I thought tested really well, had really good Senior Bowl week, great career. Uh, he's a Pro Bowl caliber player. Chris Lindstrom is, but I think he'll be gone. I'm going in the first round, but if he slid into second, he would be a, a great option at that point. So I think it's going to fall pretty well at, at guard for them if they're looking at second or third round guards. And these guys also have like Max Sharping could be a right tackle or guard. Connor McGovern can be a guard or center. Michael Dieter can play just about anywhere. Dalton Reisner can play just about anywhere. So I think uh, you get some... some and Schuma Doga, as I said, that's a right tackle or a guard coming out of USC. Um, all those guys, I think, are, are going to have a chance to go second or third round.
0: We have time just for one more question. We'll go to Charlie Potter. And, Charlie, your line is open if you can hear us.
1: My bad. Hey, Mel. Um, I know you've already talked a lot about former Alabama players, but do you think any of those guys helped or hurt their stock
0: after their pro day last week?
1: You know, I don't think uh, you know hurt any, anybody hurt their their stock. I think you look at where they're lined up right now; it hasn't changed much. I mean, obviously, you think about Deontay Thompson as the one that I think is going under the radar. You know, with obviously had the, the injury, but and didn't have the big plays late in the year that you hoped he would. But you know, here's the kind of guy all you know after the first four, five, six games, he's a first round pick, and you're looking about right now Deontay Thompson, probably second round. So uh, he's the kind of guy I think right now, and people haven't talked a lot about. He's kind I wouldn't say get lost in the shuffle with the safeties, but he's the kind of guy I don't think gets enough, you know, a positive commentary. Now, I'm not saying he's, 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 he wowed me over because the second half of the year he didn't have the big plays you thought he would. But he's a talented kid, and I think for what you look for a safety to do, the way the game has changed, I think he fits that. So I think Deontay Thompson, I would, I would think, is going to be a second-round pick that, uh, you know, you hope he can, he can maximize all that ability and create more big plays than we saw at Alabama. If he doesn't, then he's just an average player. But I think there's some upside there to Deontay Thompson.
0: So, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. I realize we didn't get to all of the questions, Um, so if we didn't hope to help you on that next call, keep an eye out, please, for the future advisories. And if there's anything I can help you with in the interim, feel free to give me a call or send me a note. But thanks so much. Really appreciate your time, and have a great rest of your day.